Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 288. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're truly excited to have with us the professionally acclaimed illustrator and highly talented creator of Maru Kiro Destroy the Moon, Brendan Albetsky. Thank you very much, Barney. That was a, that was a very... Uh, flattering intro that you gave me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but it's, I, I, I did my research. Brendan is technically true. See. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to throw any kind of praise out of bed. So that's 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 really great. I actually, <laughs> um, I, I work on another series called The World Ends in Fire with uh, with DC Horn, and he wrote another comic that he um, did with uh, the artist Lane Lloyd, who's mm. someone I'm a huge fan of. Um, and asked me to do a pull quote for it. And he said, would you be comfortable doing something like this? And I said, DC, anything to make people think I'm important, anything at all, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but so you're here cause you're working on volume two of Maru Kiru destroy the moon. And, yep. and it, this was a COVID project of yours, right? This, yes. this entire series. Yes. So, um, this started in really uh, kind of started ideating on it in late 2019. And mm. then, um, you know, we all got, we all got locked up inside and I suddenly had tons and tons of time to, to, to do this work. And I talked with a bunch of people about it and, you know, kind of spun the idea up and, and got this really cool idea for like a comic that was going to keep me entertained um, first and foremost. And uh, you know, something that I decided was, was worthy of, uh, of, being put out there and shared with everybody else. And, and, you know, it's, we've kind of just been off to the races ever since. Right. Um, it's been, it's been a blast doing it. You know, I, I, I say this all the time, but I say, you know, this is a comic when I'm working on it. If I ever get bored working on the comic, I throw out whatever I'm doing and I, and I move to something that excites me because I think that, that if, if I can't stay excited while I'm working on it and I can't expect anybody to be excited to read it. So I, I always say that this is just, this is a just the good parts comic. Um, everything that's in this comic is something that I was really thrilled to work on and, uh, and, and, and excited to put out there. So tell us a little bit of the synopsis. Basically it's this warrior woman who's here to um, basically destroy this, the, the denizens of, of the moon. Yes. So, um, you know the the simple uh, elevator pitch is is all in the title. Is it's it, she wants to destroy the moon. Um, she's a sword wielding barbarian warrior, and and her only goal in life is to destroy the actual you know celestial body that is the moon. Um, the to drill down into it a little bit more, yeah. There's there's a there's a a, a god that lives on the moon and um, controls all of the magical energies on the planet Tulth. And his high wizard priest, Manotatus, who's the guy with the, the big cape and the horns, mm -hmm. um, is uh, in charge of this cult of the moon that, that rules over the world and um, is actually considered to be benevolent by a lot of people. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're well loved by the populace, which is something that, that Marukiro can't quite get her head around. And, and her friend uh, Yaga keeps having to remind her that, you know, they, they're actually embraced by most people. Um, as being, you know, the, the sole source of magic on the planet. And so they, they control everything and, and they get to decide who gets what and who has this and that. Um, so uh, 
but she, as you kind of come to, you don't find out right away what, why she wants to get uh, this vengeance on the cult. Um, but we ex explore that uh, throughout the first volume and then really in the second volume, which you can read some of these chapters on Global Comics right now. Right. Uh, and then, of course, when the book comes out, you'll be able to read them all. Uh, but the second volume really starts to dive into a little bit more of, of the history uh, that she has with the cult and um, what her what her basic problem is with uh, with the moon in general and why she wants to, to really get in there and, and, and mess things up. Because <laughs> you said in a and you said in a previous interview that you kind of wrote this because you're your biggest fan and biggest critic of, sure. of, of your work. Mm -hmm. Now, as you're putting this together, at what point did you start telling a story that you wanted to read? Or was there any point where it actually pivoted to this is a story I want to tell for other people to read. The story that exists in print is actually the third attempt at writing out um, a story for this. So okay. I came up with these. I came up with these characters um, with the the Marukiru character and, and Manitatis, uh, you know, the, the primary antagonist, and I put them in a couple of situations together, and I and I actually drew out, um, you know, almost full chapters of the comic um, a couple of times, and each time it was. Um, I had fun working on them to a point and then i kind of reached a point in the process where it just didn't really click with me and i didn't really want to show it to anybody else um and so i, I put it aside and, and i said well, well we'll try again later and when i eventually did finish the first chapter chapter one that was the point where i said okay yeah this is this is the one this is the one that i want to put out there mm. and i think the point that i decided that is actually that big um the big two-page spread in chapter one where they they clash for the first time at that one yeah <laughs> and uh that specifically the specifically the line unfortunate um just resonated with me in such a way that it was like this is this is great um because you know the comic is not it's not a, a, an out and out comedy um there is some humor in it and i think that a lot of that comes from just the bombastic way that the characters present themselves Right. It's it's kind of a you know ridiculous rule of cool uh, sort of thing, and there there is one chapter in spe uh, specifically the the interlude chapter where I think we we, we play with the, with the humor a little bit more than than usual. But for the most part, I just wanted a really big, uh, super energetic swashbuckling adventure, um, you know, a la Conan the Barbarian. And, and I think one of the one of the key tenets of that is the the, the characters have to take themselves ultra seriously. Uh, and so th there is humor to be found in that. And I definitely think it's entertaining. Um, but they are definitely, um, these two specifically, uh, Marukiru and Manitatis are, are both like, um, you know, Manitatis definitely over the top bombastic, but definitely very full of himself, prideful, uh, and takes himself extremely seriously. And of course, Marukiru, um, who is on the page more often than not, um, is kind of self-evidently very self-serious. So... But they're they're always just yelling at each other, and <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> so, so would this be considered a, um, an all ages comic, or is there a, what what's the audience for this? Well, you know, I was I was actually talking about this the um, the other day, and I'm and trying to figure this out um, because I think there are a lot of things about it that kind of lend itself to more of an all ages audience. Um, you know, there's, there's no, uh, there's no kind of, I, I keep the language very affected and, um, you know, high fantasy. Uh, right. so people aren't cursing at each other or anything like that. Um, there is a lot of violence in it, uh, but the style is kind of cartoony. 
Um, you know, we have a lot of instances like with the machine people where when she's bashing them up, they kind of just fall into bits um, and, you know, robot parts like you would do on uh, like a G.I. Joe cartoon or the TMNT cartoon. I think that they right. They yeah, the original robots. they're robots, the foot soldiers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's also um, a lot of blood and guts later on. People getting their heads cut off and, and run through with swords and so on and so forth. You know, it, it's it's very stylized and it's, uh, you know, very cartoonish, but it is still it is still happening. So, um mm. You know, I, I would say probably, I don't know, 14s, 15s maybe would be the the age range I'd be thinking about. Um, and and that's not necessarily what I set out to do, but that's that's like thinking about who I would hand it to if I had to give it to. Because I have, I have uh, you know, my cousins have kids that are around this age. And would I show them the comic? Yeah, I think I probably would. Um, you know, the other th- comic that I, I think about a lot is uh, Christine Larson's Orcs which right. is definitely an, you know, an all ages book. And, and that's geared probably towards that same age group. And I think that in terms of uh, the violence in that, that's probably a, a notch down from, from what I do uh, in terms of the kind of the, the graphic nature of the violence. But um, I, I still think that it's not, it's not particularly bad in terms of uh, who, who you could show it to. Uh, as long as you're not concerned about your kid, uh, you know, grabbing a sword and trying to actually cut your head off, then, then, you know, if they can be influenced to do that by the comic, then, then, then maybe don't show it to them. But I, I think that for the most part, um, you know, I read a lot of fantasy when I was a kid and I was way into it, um, you know, when I was probably 12 and up mm. and I was reading like Wheel of Time and, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, obviously, and, and a lot of other books of that nature where, you know, there, there's, there's some pretty graphic violence in those things, people getting dismembered and whatnot. So I think right. it's, you know, kids can handle a lot, um, especially with this kind of stuff. So I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about giving this to a, you know, to a 12, 13 year old. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like an in-between title between reading like, like a DuckTales comic, but you're, you know, you're too old for that, but you're also too young to read like heavy metal comics. Like this is, yeah. like, you know, that, that good in-between, as you said, like the, the young adult level. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't exactly set out to do that, but it's my, like my, my style is definitely kind of, um, you know, in that, in that groove where it kind of fits well with that, um, you know, sort of demographic. So yeah, there's just certain points where there's some themes like, you know, there's one chapter that where, where there are cannibals who are eating people. Um, and so like, you know, there's stuff like that where it makes me go like, ah, you know, maybe not for the kids, but um, by the same token, you don't actually see them eat people. So <laughs> they just talk about it, you know? <laughs> right. And so I want to talk a little bit about your coloring, like your palette, but also sure. I want to mention as well that you also talked about uh, previously that you were asked to make a coloring book as well. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, not for this comic, but for the world ends in right. fire. Um, that that project originally started as, um, you know, DC Horn and I have, have, been in contact for a long time now and i did a couple covers for um his other comic once upon a time in xanatopia and so we had been talking just you know as comics friends for a while and there was one day where his kids wanted something to color so he he printed off something that i had done um i think a a a draft of one of the covers i had given him he printed off for his his kids to color because i hadn't colored it yet and uh, he said you know what would be really cool is if we did a an entire comic that was a coloring book um, and I said, yeah, that's a really cool idea. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm way into it. And, uh, it, it's a fantasy comic, which is my bread and butter. So that was another mm-hmm. thing that made me want to do it. And we did the whole thing and we got to the whole point where we did all the line art and I turned it into him and I said, okay, what's, what's next? And he says, ah, I think maybe we should color it. And I said, well, uh, 
you know, you're you're the guy writing the checks. So if that's what you want to do, that's what we can do. And we ended up turning it into a full fledged, fully colored comic, and we're gonna do oh. five of them now. So, um, you know, it just took off. We fell in love with the characters that we created and, and the world that they live in. So we decided to to go full force on that. But um, that project did start out as a coloring book, and you can still get the coloring book huh. um, if you see DC at any kind of con or show. Um, he lives in the south. Uh, so, you know, if you, um, he was at, uh, he was at, I think comic con Raleigh recently, South Carolina. Um, he was there and, and, and selling, uh, coloring books and whatnot. So, uh, you can get the full color comic too, but uh, the coloring book is also, it's fun. I, I have a couple copies of it. I'm, I'm afraid to color them ironically. <laughs> well, because your style kind of lends to the idea of coloring because of your thick lines, was mm-hmm. that were you surprised by that? Was that the first time you heard somebody mention, "Hey, you should make a coloring book"? Um, I actually applied for a job making coloring books a couple of years ago uh, oh, wow. before I started Marukiru. I didn't get it, um, which is a shame. But uh, you know, it, it, that was something that I said, "Yeah, I could, I could definitely do that," um, because I do. I use really bold lines, right? Um, and. Uh, it does kind of lend itself pretty naturally to a, to a coloring book. And the other thing is because the way I tone, I, you know, I'm a digital artist and I've, I've really, I've done some traditional stuff and I do a lot of, I used to do a lot of pencil stuff. Um, but for the most part, uh, I've been exclusively digital, uh, working on Marukiro especially. So mm-hmm. when I do toning, I don't really do it like a traditional inker does. Um, I do it on a couple, I'll do a couple of gray layers and I'll okay. do block, you know, like block colors, um, but in, in grays. And then when I when I do the rest of the coloring, I'll actually take those uh, tone layers and I will change them to be a color. So like this this uh, tomb accuser of the undying panel you've got here in the middle. When I initially drew that panel in black and white, um, all the orange and the red that you see was all black and gray. Okay. Um, and then, and when I was doing the actual coloring of it, I like to, to do colored shadows. So I changed those layers to, uh, to, to be colored. And, uh, I think it provides a really cool effect. I think it's really, you know, unique and a, a really fun way to, to, to present it. Um, you know, I, I think that there are, there's, there's several schools of thought on, you know, like how you should ink. And, um, I feel like I'm probably not like a, a true inker's inker. Um, I, I'll mention Christine Larson again, just cause I'm a big fan and, and she's an extremely, um, uh, exceptional inker and she does some fantastic ink tutorials. Hmm. Um, so I can like see like the techniques that a lot of these, these traditional inkers do. And they're really, they're really very cool. Um, but I do everything digital and I could mimic, you know, what a traditional artist does. Um, but there's really no reason for me to do that other than if I wanted to reproduce the effect. And, um, you know, I've been working the way that I have long enough that I've kind of become attached to it. So, <laughs> right. right. So talk a little bit about the, the world building aspect of this. How did you, were you creating this as since beginning of chapter one, you knew all the characters and all the worlds and all the, the cultures, or did this kind of evolve as you were telling the story? A lot of, um, a lot of what you see, uh, you know, kind of existed beforehand in terms of, um the world the name of the world tolth is something that i've had for a long time the name of this mm. city tanaris is something that i've had for a long time um the names of some of the characters the name manotatus is something that i've had scribbled in a notebook um since i was like 18. uh so i i've, I've held on to that one for a long time um but 
you know, in terms of what actually the, the specifics of it, a lot of that develops as the story is going along. So, um, you know, Mara Kiru was not, that wasn't originally her name. That was uh, kind of a late stage change that I um, became enamored with. And I, I won't even tell you what, what, what she was called before because it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's characters like, uh, like, like Yaga, who's always been called Yaga, but I don't think she's ever actually been referred to by name in the comic yet. Oh, wow. um, it's, it's gotten to the point where I think I might just try to keep that going as a joke. <laughs> and there are a couple other characters who, um, you know, who, who are, have yet to be named. Uh, the woman with the, the spectacles there is a character who's um, taking a larger role in comics coming up. And, and, and she has a name, but it hasn't been revealed yet in the comic. And then, of course, um, Juval down at the bottom of the page here. She, she gets named in the comic. She's one of the she's probably the first uh real antagonist um that we face in the comic manotatus i don't really count him because he's the he's the overall arch villain he he's always a threat um okay. but in terms yes. of like who's 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 the first person we're gonna fight um juval and salmo are the uh you know the first the first arc of the comic is kind of all leading up to to, to them fighting which actually right. kind of concludes chapter nine so <laughs> that's cool and do you do you actually have a um, an end game to this is this an ongoing series but I, I i believe that you mentioned that you you do have this is a finite series that will yes culminate. it will end it will come yeah. to an end um i'm kind of toying with the idea of doing five volumes we'll see how well the story lends itself to that length i have kind of figured out what i want to do through the end of volume three right now um again you know the specifics change as i as i work on the page um, but the general outline kind of remains the same. Um, I think about this a lot, like the way that I do when I'm playing like D&D. And you have a very, very um, strong idea of where you want the story to go through thematically. Right. Uh, and how you want to push the characters in that direction. But they're going to make their own decisions along the way in some cases. And you need to be able to, to adjust for that. Uh, and to let them tell the story that they want to tell. Um, you know, I was thinking about this a lot as I'm kind of moving out of the first arc and into the second arc. Mario Kira being a very straightforward character, a very brute force character um, right. who always solves her problems by, you know, charging them head on and, 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 and facing them with as much, you know, overwhelming force as possible. So I'm, I, now I'm thinking about the idea of like, well, that's not something that's always going to be able to work for her. You know, that she's going to she's going to run into a situation where that's not going to be um, the way out. And how is she going to deal with that? So that's 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 where we're kind of headed thematically now, um, and uh, we'll figure out the specifics of it as I go. I try not to, I try not to bog myself too down, to bog myself down too far in what needs to happen, um, because I find that pretty draining creatively. And I've mentioned previously about how if I if I get bored working on something, I'll throw it out and I'll, I'll do a new idea. And so I try to be very loose with the way that I, I, I map my story arcs because there's a chance that something I think is a fantastic idea is just not going to pan out um, right. and I'm going to need to change it. So, you know, I don't I don't really write scripts for this comic. Um, OK, I, I start with the thumbnails. I start with the pictures. Um, my, my, my friend Zach calls it the one man Marvel method. Um, <laughs> so I, I draw all the pages first and then I will do the dialogue afterwards. So I usually will start with like. Um, maybe an outline on a scrap of paper that just says, you know, page one, this happens, page two, this happens, page three, four, five, six, they fight, page seven, you know, this, this happens. Uh, and then I'll go and do the thumbnails. 
and then I'll do the, the, you know, rough out the pages and, and then I'll maybe start thinking about what the specifics of the dialogue will be. Um, but the actual dialogue, does, I don't actually write it until the lettering stage for the most part. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't do a whole lot of dialogue, as, as you may have noticed. Right. Um, so it's it's not that much of a risk. It's not something I'd recommend for everybody, especially if you have, um, you know, characters that like to talk. Um, you should plan out your dialogue uh, you know, a little bit more than that. Actually, this this chapter here was Salmo, who is probably the most verbose character that the comic has had. Um, and that was kind of his 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 shtick was that he was, you know, his kind of obnoxious um very full of himself champion character he talks in third person and he's um you know <laughs> pontificates about uh his various uh religious beliefs and how he believes he's you know chosen the moon god and and can't be defeated and can't be killed um and and yeah his, so here's a page that where I, we, we i had to figure out the dialogue on this before i drew the page because there was a lot of words that had to had to go right. on there right so talk talk to us a little bit about the palette that you use. It's one of the sure. most engaging pieces you see it for in any other comics. Is that it? There is a a level of explicit vibrantness mm -hmm. to to the to the pages. Yeah. So I only use three colors, um, and I'll mix them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do like a fifty percent tone of one over another to you know mix wow. blue and yellow to get green. Um, and sometimes I'll add in a little bit of a neon to, to, to pop it for the RGB. Um, but for the most part, I work with the CMYK, um, right. you know, the cyan, magenta, yellow, and I just use those three. Uh, and I will mix them on the page as I'm going to, to blend and make everything work right. I, I turn everything, I turn saturation all the way up all the time. Um, <laughs> and, and that's that's another thing where, where uh, that's something a lot of people don't do. And the reason they don't do that is because it's, it can be very difficult to guide the eye through the page when everything is, is, is fully saturated. Um, and, you know, playing with depth is difficult when you do um, completely saturated colors. And so what I tend to do is I'll use, um, you know, opposing colors, complementary colors to guide a page as opposed to saturation. So like this page got the crowd in the background with the, the oranges and the reds and the and that kind of warm tones. And then Juval on the front, very cool colors, the blue um, and the purple and uh, you know, the, the kind of the neon um, moon blue, which I don't really use anymore because it doesn't print super well. I, I right. changed the color of the moon to be more of a green because uh, that prints better. Um, but uh, so yeah, that, that's that's how I that's how I pull focus is I, I, I use the palette to do that instead of a saturation. And um, one thing I do do is use a lot of highlights, um, mm. and I usually try to build to a to a bright white as being you know the most forward focused thing. Um, I will put a black filter over a page when I finish it, and I'll so I, I work in Clip Studio Pro. And if you put a black layer and you change the layer settings to saturation, it'll only show you um, the saturation of your tones. So if I do that and I can still read the page with the highlights that I do, then I know that I have effectively created a, a, a well-colored page. Um, huh. So I do that with, with most pages that I do to make sure that they're still readable um, because it can be easy to, to, to lose control of the focus when you're using such heavy saturation. Um, but this is another one of those things where it's like it's 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 become my thing now, and um, and I like it that way. So I'm gonna definitely keep doing it. Uh <laughs> and plus, you also are adding into 
some of your fonts, especially some of your action fonts to really stand out, to add to the action as well. Is, was this something that you grew into as the story progressed or is this, how would you compare chapter one to say chapter nine um, art and storytelling style? Uh, you know, in terms of, um, I, I would say that it's kind of the evolved version of what I started in chapter one. You know, I definitely mm. think I've gotten better at it as I've gone. Um, and I learn, you know, I learn new tricks by doing. Um, but, you know, art, art style is in many ways is really just the way that you're solving problems on the page. Right. And so um, I've gotten better at that as I've worked on this comic, just just for from the act of doing it. Um, so, you know, still using all those same kind of, of thematic elements and, and, and the strong focus on the kinetic energy and and um, maintaining energy and really just kind of hitting punch and and and, and really strong action and, and really strong flow of action um, and just kind of ratcheting that up bit by bit every chapter. Um, every time I make a chapter, I want to I want it to be the best thing I've ever done. Um, so I think I've managed to do that pretty much every time now. And, um, I'm really proud of that. And I want to, you know, I want to keep doing it because it's like, it feels, it feels like I'm getting better as a creator, as I'm, as I'm working on it, but everything still, I think jives together. You look at the first page of the comic and the most recent page of the comic, you can see that there's been, um, a little bit of evolution of style and a little bit of um, improvement from, from me as a, as an artist. Uh, and that's just bound to happen. Um, so I'm, but I still think that they jive well together and I'm still happy to, to, you know, to show off the, the early chapters to people. I'm not embarrassed by anything that I've done back there. And I think that's a good sign because I definitely have old comics that I said, I don't want anybody to see these ever. Um, because I don't, I just don't think that they represent, you know, what I'm capable of now. Whereas with Marikiru, I think that, you know, the, you look at the whole thing as, as a whole, and I think that it still is, uh, you know, even in the early chapters, a very good encapsulation of, of what I've always wanted to do with this. And, and um, part of what's kept it going, it going so strong is that I think I've really finally fallen into a groove with uh, mm. with what I want to do and, and what I want to make. Um, you know, with the dialogue, especially because you brought it up, I, I play more now with um, words that don't have dialogue bubbles. Right. Uh, getting, you know, wrapping the dialogue bubbles really tightly for the, you know, for the shouted lines is something that I still do. Um, but trying to get away from necessarily the, the traditional dialogue bubbles and do something a little bit, um, you know, a little bit funky, uh, for like the regular dialogue people have, I, I, I try to obey the rules for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, even some of these here, like these, these bubbles are a little bit small. Uh, if I was to go back and do this again, I think I'd give them a little bit more breathing room, a little bit more margin. But they're not bad. Um, right. You know, they're, they're, they're shaped well and they they, they work. Um, they just maybe could use a little bit more room to breathe. Uh, but, you know, again, it's just like you, you learn these things as you're working on it and as you're going through. And if you went back to the – I do know people that, that go back and they will redraw early chapters of the comic. And I'm like, I haven't got time for that. You know, if, if you, every time, if every time you learn something new, you went back and you redid your entire body of work so that it matched, uh, you, you never get anything done. So right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta, you know, you gotta be proud of the progress that you've made and, and, but still acknowledge that, you know, the things you made a couple of years ago, um, you know, they, they're still good and they, they still work. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that it's fine to have a little bit of evolution and a little bit of change in your style as long as it still kind of works as a cohesive whole. Right. 
And because as you mentioned, you're working with um, on global comics, and earlier you mentioned that you love their customer service, and that's one of the yeah. It's it's you know they've gotten a lot bigger since I started working with them, um, and they've got a lot more larger publisher deals. Uh, you know, they still there's still room for the for the indie people on there. Uh, I feel like maybe not as much as there once was, but that's bound to happen. Um, I think it's a good place to it's the it's currently still the best option for people who want to host their comics online. I, I, I do believe that um, there's been a lot of questionable business practices that have been, uh, you know, revealed at some of the other platforms, uh, Webtoon specifically. That's the one that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to name and shame that because I feel like they've really done some pretty shady stuff for the past couple of years. Uh, and I feel like I, I'm not on Webtoon anymore. I, I took all of my things off of Webtoon and I, I have no intention of going back. Um, and Global Comics, I think, has really been doing a good job of, of kind of remaining transparent, remaining above the board um, and being accessible. Because, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't talked to them in a bit, but I, I, I know who to, to reach out to if I wanted to talk to somebody. And I'm pretty sure they would answer my email. So, yeah, I think that they're still, um, you know, they're still doing the best job of anybody out there. Uh, in the in the biz and they're they're only getting bigger so you know it's it's definitely it's a good service to be on right and so yeah because someone they can actually you can go to global comics and pay 99 cents to download one of your issues yes yep i think you can do that with most of them actually um and uh the i i don't not a lot of people do that most people if they want to buy the comic they buy the book um And I, I do see most when you, you know when you when you hit that download, I do see most of that money, which is which is pretty good because a lot of services they'll take a big chunk. Right. Um, but I, I I do see most of that uh, that download, uh, which is great. And um, I'm actually going to be on I, I'm going to be on um, Kindle soon. My publisher, Castain Publishing, is is working out the details with Amazon right now to get all of their books um, onto Amazon and 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 onto Kindle. Um, so I will be interested to see how that goes. Um, the thing I'm most excited about there is that we'll finally be able to have international shipping, uh, for the books of people. I have a lot of fans in the UK who have not been able Mm. to get a copy of the book. And, um, you know, I've I've kind of felt bad about that, but there's not a whole lot I can do when it costs $30 to, to ship a $20 book overseas. It's just insane. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to that, to, to Amazon making it a little bit more accessible to get the book. Uh, if you're not living in the U.S., um, right. because it has been difficult. Do you know what the percentages at Global Comics it takes on on a 99 cent download? Uh, I don't recall exactly. If I had to wager a guess, I think it was, I think I got like 76 cents on the 99, which okay. is pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've definitely seen worse. <laughs> yeah. For those that are that that are now fans of your work, Brandon, you actually there's a few kickstarters that you're part of uh there's a few other projects that you've been yep. working on as well yeah um you know kickstarters that i'm a part of you know i've never done a kickstarter for mario Kiro and right because i have a publishing deal for it i've never i've never needed to um and i've been kind of cool with that because i'm i'm i, I i'm a guy who and it's <laughs> you know i i set this interview up with um through through cody uh, and Cody's been, been working on PR for me for the past couple of weeks. Mm. And something I said to him and something he's been helping me with and, and something that I think is fantastic is, is I'm the guy I want to sit here and I want to draw the book and I want somebody else to do everything else. Um, so, you know, I have Castane to help me with the, with the actual printing of it. And they do a, a fantastic job. Um, those guys have been great to work with. 
Um, and you know, I've got, uh, for the Kickstarters that I'm a part of, and I definitely will throw my weight behind them, behind those projects. Um, I don't sign on for jobs that I don't think are worth doing. Right. Um, and so like world ends and fire is a fantastic book. You should definitely uh, check it out. There's no chance to back it at the moment because the Kickstarter is over, but there will be more Kickstarters for that one. Um, Insomniac's delights with Alice Quinn Rose. That's a, that's right. an excellent anthology. Um, uh, she originally did that as a, as a seven story anthology on Kickstarter did not manage to make the campaign, unfortunately. Um, but she didn't give up, uh, and, and retooled the whole thing. And now it's coming out as, um, a series of two story issues. So each issue okay. will have two stories, uh, and have a series of Kickstarters and set those with a lower goal. And the first one of those did, um, uh, manage to fund successfully. So very excited about that. Cool. Uh, I have a story in that that's really experimental. It's another, it's a no dialogue story where the main character is a dog and the story is primarily told through smell. Uh, so that's a really interesting comic. Uh, it's called who's a good boy and, uh, it's kind of creepy. It's a horror comic. So, um, right. I hope yeah, people will enjoy it. Yeah. And then fractured realms, uh, with limit break comics. Uh, I did a story with a writer named Alex Garrick, Wright, Who wrote a story called the doom that came to Midgard. Uh, mm. if you haven't heard of fractured realms, it's the, it's the limit break comics, um, Norse horror anthology. So it's, it's, um, modern horror, but uh, all themed around Norse mythology. So the, wow, the settings okay. are all modern, but, but all of the themes tie back to Norse mythology. Ours is about Ragnarok. Um, and that was another one that was extremely cool to work on. And I think people are really going to enjoy that. So that's, that's another great Kickstarter that did manage to fund. Um, but yeah, if you see my name attached to a Kickstarter, uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly endorse what's going on. Like I said, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my name on it if I didn't think it was great. So right. <laughs> volume two of, of Mero Kiru destroyed the moon is coming out as of this recording is coming out imminently. Uh, I, I'm probably a couple of months. Um, okay. so I have to finish writing it, which is the big thing. <laughs> Um, but I would expect to see it in probably early 2024. Okay. Uh, that would, that would be my best guess. So, you know, the first, the volume one is going to be turning, uh, is going to be turning one in two days as of this recording Wow. Uh, okay. on, on right. July 29th. That's, uh, that's this book's birthday. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and really just, you know, huge thanks to the, to the people at Castane for, for rolling the dice on this. And I think we've all been pretty happy with, with how it did and and um you know we're really excited to, to do another one so um you know i've done a bunch of work you scroll down a little bit on the cast aim page here you see the uh you see the the cover for base tape massacre um that's that's all my art as well so that's that's a that's a fully illustrated uh uh novel and i did 10 illustrations for that as in addition to the cover we're gonna be doing another oh, one okay. of those uh pretty soon um so that was a lot of fun that's that's more horror I'm, I'm finding myself put into a lot of horror, which is great because I'm a huge horror fan. Um, it's not <laughs> what I ever saw myself doing in comics. I always thought I was going to do exclusively fantasy comics, but um, I found myself in some situations where I'm doing sci-fi, I'm doing horror. It's really cool um, and I'm excited about it. Um, but yeah, so but in terms of Maru Kiro, you know, I'm finishing up this chapter 10 and then I got one more chapter, uh, which is going to be another interlude chapter that I'm going to write after that. That'll be done by November. Uh, and then it's just me getting with the with the fine folks at Castane about uh, you know the particulars of, of getting that second uh, second volume out, uh, and we're also going to be working on a second printing of the first volume. Um, nice. There's still copies available of the first printing, um, but we have decided that for the second printing we're we're going to do a different cover. Okay. So if you want to get this cover, which is one of my favorite things that I've ever drawn, 
<laughs> and I have it hanging on my wall and I have it behind me. It's a beautiful wraparound cover. If you want this one, uh, you better act quickly because there aren't many of them left and we won't be making more of them. So <laughs> now is the time uh, to, to, to order that. It's $20 and then I believe it's $5 shipping from, from Castanes. So that's 25 in total. Of course, if you manage to see me in person, uh, you don't have to pay shipping. I still have several copies that I'm that I'm selling. So, um, but yeah, they're 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 going fast. Um, right. There's not many left. So, Brandon, if people want to learn more about you and and your book, where's the best place they could go to? Uh, you should definitely glue yourself to my website, brendanalbetsky.com. Um, and there I have a. It's not where I'm the most active in terms of news, but it is the most stable place to find me. Uh, right. We're living in a, a bit of a tumultuous period for social media, so I can't really commit to saying, you know, follow me on Twitter because we don't even know if that's what that website is called anymore. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, I have a I have a link tree on my website which has all of my social links. Um, very active on Instagram. Uh, right. Cody's got me. Cody's got me on TikTok now. If you want to see time lapse drawings, uh, that's not on the link tree yet. I got to put that on there. But right. um, you know, check me out on TikTok if you want to see my time lapses. Um, you know, this, this is the page where I'm going to have every, you know, my, 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 my master list of all the places to find me. And of course you can always email me htbcomics at gmail.com. If you're a, a writer or a publisher who's looking for a, a very unique and powerful artist, um, feel free to contact me. <laughs> a couple of things that I'm working on right now that I'm very excited about. Um, I'm working on a card game at the moment, oh, fun. um, which is a card game that is designed to kind of mimic, um, you know, a, a fighting game like Street Fighter right. or something of that nature. So uh, I get to design uh, uh, 10 different characters for that, which is something I'm extremely excited about. There's We've talked a little bit about who's going to be in it, and we've got some some fun archetypes we're going to play with and some kind of wacky twists on that, uh, sure. you know, throwing robots and aliens into it because that's ends up in everything that I do. Um, right. but that, so that's, that's something that's, that's going to be awesome. And probably will end up on Kickstarter in the near future. Of course, world ends in fire. I just finished a second issue for that. You'll see a Kickstarter for that at some point. And, uh, then, you know, cooking up some fun things with, uh, with some of my other comics buddies, obviously I'm going to be still working on Mario Kuro destroy the moon, but I'm also maybe going to be appearing somewhere in Evan DeCastro's lost between worlds. I don't know. Uh, keep your, you know, keep your ears tuned for that. And of course, um, uh, tons of stuff that I'm doing with DC. Um, in addition to World Ends and Fire, I, I can't even begin to, to tell you all the things we got going on there. So yeah, always have plenty of things to talk about, and I can I, I can know. just string them along forever. So <laughs> well, I gotta say, that, I, I I would venture to guess that your readers that read Maro Kiru Destroy the Moon will be very upset with you if at the end of the series she does not end up destroying the moon. Well, I mean. It's called Murakura Destroy the Moon. There's really only one of two ways that the story could end. It's either going to be a happy ending or it's going to be a tragic one. And, um, you know, we don't know. We don't know. Don't know. Um, don't you're going to have to read the comic. <laughs> I don't see. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, it was wonderful chatting with you as well. And I really appreciate you having me on. tell you right now what albetsky means i just typed it in oh yeah yeah it's the meaning is investigator oh man that's pretty cool i'll Isn't take that, that. Cool? Yeah. yeah yeah
Yeah. Not bad. Oh, Betsky. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Direction meeting phone. See, there you go. So there you go. See, we're just it's, it, help, help, helping you out, Brandon. Figuring stuff out. And learn, you know, I learned something about myself today. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> And, and don't we hope that every day we learn something more about ourselves? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's a good goal. <laughs> All right, let me do the intro. Okay. Sure. <laughs>